Gracious God, let these words be more than words. Give us the spirit of Jesus. Amen. How do you talk about God? You may be thinking, Mike, you know we are Episcopalians, yes? We don't talk about God, not if we can avoid the topic. And this has been a stereotype of our faith. Many Episcopalians are, are really wary of the word evangelism. I've heard Episcopalians often quote St. Francis, who supposedly said, Preach the gospel always. When necessary, use words. And we like to think that it's almost never necessary to use those words. But friends, I'm here to tell you, I think we need to talk more about God. We need to talk about God for our sake and for the sake of our neighbors. So how do you talk about God? I hear a resonance for our time in the story today about Paul in Athens. Athenians, he says, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription, To an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it. And Paul doesn't go on a tirade against the Athenians. That may surprise those of you who've read some of Paul. Paul was wont to go on tirades, but here Paul chooses to speak carefully to the experience of his hearers. Your own poets intuit something of God. Paul talks about this unknown God, the God the Athenians have already encountered. This God, Paul says, this is the God who we Christians worship. Let's talk about this God. A few years ago, I went to a show at the 930 Club, a famous concert venue in Washington, D.C. The band was called Volcano Choir. You may not have heard of them. And the lead singer, Justin Vernon, once had a slightly more famous band called Boney Vare. You may not have heard of them either. And that's okay. You don't need to know the music to follow the story. Justin Vernon took the stage at the 930 Club that night in a way that seemed sort of eerily familiar to me. The rest of the band arrived first. It was dark, and they were there repositioning microphones, adjusting guitar straps. Then the lead singer climbed up and stood behind a lectern, a really big, substantial lectern, sort of like a pulpit. And Vernon opened up his moleskin binder and laid it on the pulpit desk. And he touched his lips before he began to sing. The scene was reminiscent of what we're doing right here, right now. And because I was up in the balcony near the stage, I could look out not just at the musicians, but also over the faces of the crowd. The fans looked on silently, waiting for the song to begin. Their faces were trained on the singer come preacher. In a way, the crowd was very Episcopalian. At a punk rock show, and the crowd might have been singing along, a hip-hop crowd might have looked more Pentecostal, dancing in the aisles. This, however, was white boy acoustic rock, so the crowd was still giving their full attention 
Maybe they closed their eyes at a beautiful phrase, but then they felt self-conscious about such an obvious display of emotion. As I said, they could have been Episcopalians. We are sometimes known as the frozen chosen. They could have been Episcopalians, but I'm going to hazard a guess that most of the people in the 930 Club that night were not Episcopalians. I would guess, actually, that most of them do not go to church on a Sunday. Some of them might have grown up in church, but I'm pretty sure that for many in that crowd, this was the first time in a long time they'd seen someone behind a pulpit. I don't want you to think that I was there to judge the crowd for not going to church. You might think that as a preacher, I stood up on that balcony looking over the fan, saying to myself, Sinners, why are you listening to this heathen music? You should be Episcopalian. Don't you know that's the one true faith? That's not it at all. That's not us at all. Almost the reverse, in fact. I found myself thinking, look at all those faces transfixed by this beautiful music. God is here, somehow, somewhere. In an environment as secular as the 930 Club, something of the beauty of the music was working on the hearts and minds of the people. And so I wonder what our job is in the midst of that as Christians. I wonder if our work is a little bit like that of Paul's. Or our time in Paul's really very different. In Athens, learning, money, sophistication were on display. People came regularly to Mars Hill, the Areopagus, to hear brilliant philosophers and poets hold forth. And just beyond the great hill lay the Agora, the marketplace of Athens, lined with columns, filled with temples, shops, cellars, a major crossroads for Rome's empire. With the knowledge of the world at their fingertips, with every sign of wealth, every type of food, every cosmopolitan form of worship available, did the Athenians still feel a little empty? In a a competing marketplace of ideas, did they still search to name a deeper truth? How different are Athens Marketplace and Delmar's Loop? How many temples, churches, and Scientology centers can you count between Skinker and Hanley? How many yoga studios? How many Christian science reading rooms? How many concert venues? And Paul speaks to the Athenians and says, What you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. Paul talks about God. He finds God even in that secular marketplace at that unknown altar. Paul finds God present, already active among the people. Don't hear me say that God is not in the yoga studio or at the concert. I know yogis who would say they've encountered God on the mat. Paul has no doubt. God is already in Athens. God is always out there ahead of the church. Paul does not have to bring God to the people. Paul's work is to help them to name what God is doing, to talk about God. The stakes are high in Paul's mind. The disciple starts this passage angry. If you read a few verses before, angry because religion has been made mostly into a financial transaction. 
So he says, God is not like gold or silver or stone formed by the imagination of mortals. And Paul believes religion has been abused in Athens. He understands why people might have erected an altar to an unknown God. These people have a holy hunch. The gods they've been sold don't merit worship. Let's talk about the God you know is closer to you. The one in whom you live and move and have your being. That famous phrase of Paul's, he borrows from the Greek philosopher. Leave behind those transactional gods, Paul says. In the Episcopal Church, many of us know a thing or two about abusive religion. When people ask me to describe our congregation, they say, well, like most Episcopal churches, maybe a third of us grew up Episcopalian. And this comes as a surprise to some folks. We Episcopalians aren't generally very good about growing our own. We're getting started on that around here. We're going to be building up children's and family ministries. But historically, especially over the last 30 years, we haven't been raising up our congregations. Only about a third of us grew up Episcopalian. Thank God we've got two-thirds of others. Another third grew up Catholic. And the final third grew up Evangelical or some other milder form of Protestant. A while ago, our sign on Del Mar said, Refugees are welcome here. And we mean that in the literal sense and in the figurative sense. I'm glad our church is a refuge. But being a refuge can mean it is hard to move beyond the trauma. Many of the folks who end up in the Episcopal Church pews seem more sure about what they know God is not. If I asked you to turn to your neighbor and tell them one thing you are sure God is not, I bet most of you would have something to say. God is not a white bearded man in the sky, many would say. God is not a homophobe, would be popular. I'd agree with you. And God is not a Republican voter. God is not a Democrat. I know there are a few of you out there that are, who are sure God is not a Democrat. Theologically, you're right, too. We tend to be sure about how not to talk about God in Episcopal churches. But it brings me back to my initial question. Sure, we can talk negatively about what God is not. But how do we talk about God positively? How do you describe God? It's a little more difficult. I'm going to give you a stab. When I was a little kid, I used to get nosebleeds. Awful nosebleeds. Maybe it had something to grow up to do with growing up in Denver's dry climate. But I'd wake up sometimes in the middle of the night, my face and pillowcase covered in blood. I remember one particular moment, one of the many nights after my mother came and pulled me out of bed and sat me on the counter in the kitchen, cold washcloth pressed up against my nose. That night, I remember her looking at my scared, tired eyes and saying, we're a team. You're going to be okay. And my mom was just trying to calm me down. But she spoke something deeply true that night. My mother's love and care and her words taught me about God. As I grew up and learned the stories of Jesus, heard the teachings of De Jesus, my mother's teachings stayed with me. 
When I read words like today's gospel, Jesus reassuring, I will not leave you orphaned. When I encounter Paul's description about God in the words of the poets in whom we live and move and have our being, I remember that sense of safety, that sense of love. I've encountered God as an abiding presence, the one who is with me when I'm lonely, scared, tired, afraid. I've also encountered God when I'm elated in love and finding beauty beyond description. God is there always. I offer my own simple description as a humble example. I am curious to know, how do you talk about God? Up there on Mars Hill, Paul had a sense that the Athenians were groping, looking, searching for God. A God unlike the false images they'd been sold. I've seen God out there at concerts and yoga studios, even at protests. There is a marketplace outside our door where the God who is most loudly proclaimed by Christians is judgmental and angry and at war with our culture. In the midst of that, how will we talk about God? Will we speak words of God's love to those who desperately need to hear them? Will we speak of God's justice in the courts that are judging so many unjustly? How will we talk about God? Amen.